Thank you for joining us. God loves his children. He protects, provides, guides, forgives, and so much more. Therefore, he deserves our trust, praise, glory, honor, obedience, and so much more. Yet we often grieve our Lord by turning from him to do things our way rather than turn to him in obedience. And what does God do? He gives us what we don't deserve, his love, grace, and mercy. He continues to teach and develop us, and he is always available to us. The question is, when will we always be available to him? Have Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander speaks to us. Let's pray. And Father, we thank you for the privilege of preaching your word, your gospel. Thank you, Father. Take not for granted no time that I stand. I stand here solely by the grace of God. You're so good. You're so kind. You're so wonderful. Who am I to dispense a glorious gospel as this? Use me now. Fill me with your spirit and help me to preach in a way that the listeners can grasp, receive, internalize, and receive transformation through your spirit. I pray that many come to know you as Savior today. We'll believe in God for saved souls, for revived souls, for those who are not in a church to be convicted enough to know that, that they need a church home, a place of nurturing and spiritual development and growth and connection where they can use their giftedness to build up the body and so that those who are gifted at the church can use their giftedness to build those you're sending this way. Restrain the work of the enemy. Help us to be focused in mind. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Turn with us. We, for you who are first time here today, we're, we're going through the book of Jonah, uh, that Old Testament prophet. And um, we are going to call your attention to the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Leave your Bibles open. This is Maranatha Bible Church. We look at the scripture, and then we'll be looking at some related passages uh, in light of the passage that we are currently engaged in. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and there you will find these words. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to, to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah was gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. I want to preach this morning the renegade prophet who faced a great storm. The renegade prophet who faced 
a great storm. Let's look at verse three. Verse three is Jonah's, Jonah's rebellion. Look at verse three. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. My friends, it's a dangerous thing when you willfully defy God's instruction and rebel against him. You are sure bold when you can do that. Jonah's rebellion and disobedience caused him to leave both his home and his country. He fled on a ship. God told, God told him to go to Nineveh. He says, no, I'm going the opposite direction to Tarshish, which is modern day Spain. Verse 3a says, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now allow me to say something here. What are the disastrous consequences of rebelling against God? Jonah defied God's instruction. He rebelled against God's instruction. God told him to go one way. He said, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go the way I want to go. I really believe that all the Jonas aren't gone. So what are the disaster, what are the disastrous consequences of rebelling against God? Uh, here's some of the things you can anticipate if you're bold enough to rebel against Almighty God. First, unnecessary stress and anxiety is the consequence of rebelling against God. Sin will stress you out. You want to feel, you want to get stressed? Just start rebelling against God. Your blood pressure will go up. You'll lose your sleep. You'll be all messed up internally and externally. Another a consequence is a loss of God's provision. You rebel against God, there will be a loss of God's provision. There is a blessed subtraction to get your attention. The same God who gave you what you have is God enough to take what he has given you. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And there are some things you really don't want him to take. And God can provide some uh, some hard takeaways in your life. What are the disastrous consequences of rebelling against God? Loss of God's protection. When the protective hand of Almighty God is removed from your life, Satan then wreaks havoc in the lives of those who without God's protection. This world is too evil. It is too dangerous. The devil is too busy for you not to be under God's divine covering. You, you, you need God's protection if you don't have sense enough to know you need God's protection. You need to get a trust in God. You need divine protection. It don't have to be some bullet. Let me tell you something. You need God's protection every time you get in that car. You don't know how you're going to get out. Uh, and if, you, if you're rebelling against God, you open game for Satan. Uh, rebelling against God brings on divine chastening. God disciplines his children because he loves us. God chastens those he loves. He disciplines us to correct us. And he disciplines us that we would look more like Christ. What are the disastrous consequences of rebelling against God? One more. A separation from God is a byproduct of rebelling against God. 
When you get separated from God, here's what happens. It results in an inability to hear God. You can't hear him. There's a a disconnection, a spiritual disconnection spiritually. You can't hear God speak. Uh, You're unfruitful. You're not productive. Your your life is not meaningful. Uh, It's not rich. Uh, when, When you're separated from God, there's a spiritual dryness. You don't bring value. Your joy is gone. You can't even sing gladly. You can't give gladly. You know why you're separated from God. When you're separated from God, it ends up with a broken fellowship with Christ. And the times are too hard. I want to be as close as I can get to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to live in deep communion with him. I want I want him to walk with me, talk with me. I want to talk to God and walk with God. I want to look to him in the morning, look to him noonday, look to him at night. When I wake up, I want to wake up talking about God. I want fellowship with him so that I can have peace of mind, peace of soul, and peace in my spirit. And then let's transition on. Those who genuinely love Christ will have a heart that seeks after him. You know you are contrary to God's word and will when you seek to go from the presence of the Lord. Verse 3a says, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You know you are estranged from God when you think you can escape and run away from the presence of God who is omnipresent, meaning that he is everywhere present at the same time. You say, where is that in scripture? In Psalms 139 verses 7 through 10, it says, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. My friend, you are really wasting your time and energy attempting to run away from the Lord, which is a mere exercise in futility. It is absolutely impossible to escape God who is everywhere present. Therefore, surrender your life to Christ today and allow him to be Lord of your life. And you know when he's Lord of your life because you have a spirit that says, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to be, I'll be. Here I am, Lord. I'm, my hands are yours. My eyes are yours. My feet are yours. My body is, is yours. I surrender my rights, my will, my way to you so that I can be rich and productive before the king of glory. Let's look at verse four. Verse four, the Lord stirred a great storm. Look at verse four. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. The Lord in this verse stirred a great storm. Now listen closely. A sure way to bring storms into our lives is to rebel against God. Now this was no ordinary storm. 
It was a violent, dangerous storm sent by God himself. If this storm were named today, I believe this would, this storm would be called Hurricane Jonah. It was so great and dangerous until it was about to break up the whole ship and the lives of the crewmen were in grave danger. My friend, God knows how to get your attention and you can save yourself a whole lot of trouble. If you only listen to him, anytime you fight against almighty God, you are fighting a losing battle. I'm going to tell you now, before you start act- acting up, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to lose, lose, lose. You are going to lose. Let me transition to another question. Why does God allow storms to come into our lives. Why does he allow storms to come into our life? How I many of you have had some trials, some storms? If you have, just keep saying good morning. They're on the way now. They're on the way, so you don't have to go looking for them. They, they know your address. Why does God allow storms to come into our lives? Where in Jonah chapters 1 and 2 and other related passages, we're going to tie into this passage. Uh, you're going to see uh, why God allows storms to come into our lives. Number one, nothing, whether good or bad, comes into our lives without God's permission. Okay? Uh, nothing just accidentally happens. Okay? Uh, uh, nothing, whether good or bad, comes into our lives without God's permission. Verse 4 says, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. God permitted this storm to come into Jonah's life. This storm was sent and prepared specifically for Jonah. This storm was sent directly from God to arrest his fugitive preacher, his runaway preacher. Now, some of you in here, you're running away from God. Uh, you do everything you can sometimes to keep from coming to church. You do everything you can to keep from reading your Bible. You do everything you can to be on your own because you think you know what you <laughs> are doing. <laughs> I believe there's some fugitives in the house. I believe there's some of you today, you're running from God. And God has orchestrated your presence in the house of God today to hear word from the man of God to say you are under arrest. Now, listen, uh, God didn't have a hard time finding you. He knows exactly where you are. Now, there's some folk with the law of man, uh, the natural man, they, they go years and folk go uncaught. But God knows how to get you. He knows where you are. He knows how to throw out that lasso, and he knows how to reel you in. And do I have any witnesses out there? He knows. 
Some of you are fugitives. You're running away from God. You don't have a church home. You're not in a Sunday school class. You don't know what it is to go to a Bible study. You don't know what it is to pray. You don't know what it is to tithe. You don't know what it is to read your Bible uh, on a on a regular basis because you are running from God because you're afraid he's going to ask you to do something that you really don't want to do. And he just might do that. He is God. And you you know, when God ever asks you to do something, do yourself a favor. Do it as quickly as you can. Do it as quickly as you can. If you want to get blessed, if you want to see God work miracles in your life, if you want to see a breakthrough come, you are wise beyond your day. When, when God says, I want you to do it. Okay, right now, God. Right now, God. At once, God. Here I am, God. Oh, God. I don't understand it, but you said it. That settles it. I don't have to think about it. You God. See, sometimes you can get so intellectual, you just rationalize. Well, God, you don't make this. That doesn't make sense. So I don't know if I should do that. I can't figure that out. You can't figure out God. Who can know the mind of God? The mind of God. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not uh, our, our thoughts. And, and God, God will confuse your mind trying to figure him out. He's too big and, and he's infinite. You little finite puny thing, you, you can't figure him out. God is God all by himself. You'll bust your mind trying to understand God. Do I have any witnesses in the house? Oh, Jonah was a fugitive. And you know it's bad when you're a preacher and you're a fugitive. I mean, you won't preach. You bold. You're going to leave your home, leave your country. And you're going to go the opposite direction and you rebel and you defy God as if you are in control. Why does God allow storms to come into our lives? Secondly, beloved storms are a reality of life. Storms are a reality of life. You do not get through this life without them. Jesus himself said, we will have trials and tribulation. Job chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 says, Then his wife, I love to call her Mrs. Job, said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Look, our children are all dead. Uh, Our livestock is, is gone. You sitting there all messed up in your sickness. Do you still, Job, honey, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? Be careful where you get your counsel from when you're in a storm. Anybody at any given time can give you bad counsel. And when you have the spirit of discernment, you'll know when that bad counsel is even coming from your spouse, coming from your child, coming from your sorrow, coming from your longtime friend, coming from whomever. You be careful you be discerning as to who you get your counsel from. She said, honey, curse him and die. Look what God, look, look, look. How can he be God? Look at you. Just look at yourself. Look, look at you. Verse 10. Brother Job said to Miss Job, huh, you speak as one of the foolish 
women speaks. That was a nice, polite way of calling her a fool. He said foolish. He didn't say fool. You know, he put the ish on it. You speak as one of the foolish women speak, Miss Job. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? What? Who are you to think you can live a normal lifespan and not have adversity? You'll be as messed up as you can be. You'll be as small as you can be. Nobody could put up with you if you had it your way 100% of the time. I love this passage. This verse is in all this. Job did not sin with his lips in the crisis, in the storm. Job did not sin with his lips. I want you to hear me well, beloved. The best thing you can do in the midst of adversity is to shut up and be quiet. Trust God when you don't understand and wait on it. Now, when you're in a storm, refuse to be a crybaby. Refuse to whine. Huh, Lord, I give to you. I come to church. I read my Bible. Why is my child on drugs? Why, why is my, why, why can't you hush my mother-in-law up? Uh, uh, uh Lord, why do, why did you let me have cancer of the lungs? I I never smoked a day in my life. Refuse to whine. Refuse to talk too much. You can talk yourself into trouble. Refuse to throw yourself a pity party in the midst of a storm. Refuse to draw uh, uh, attention to yourself. You want everybody to find you out, to look after you. You just attention gather. You all over Facebook and social media. Yeah, I'm sick. You call 50 people, and every time somebody talks to you, you give them your, they know your whole medical history in two minutes. <laughs> you can't give a word of encouragement because you're so busy talking about you. You get your mind off yourself and start talking about other folk, you feel better. John 16, 33 also says, these things I have spoken, look, these things I have spoken to you that in me, in Christ, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Look, Jesus says, you will have tribulation. You will have trials. But look what he says. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And as I've overcome, you too will overcome. Trust God. Look to him. You will overcome. Believe that you will overcome. Number three. Number, number three. Dealing with storms, what we what should we consider? Like Jonah, sometimes storms intrude into our lives because of our own rebellion against God. We bring our own storms on ourselves because of our own personal rebellion. You say, how do you know that? In verse 3 it says, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of God. When God disciplines his children, we know without a doubt it is he who is doing the chastening. Look at Jonah chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. We're kind of going back and forth between chapters 1 and 2. Jonah chapter 2, verses 3 through 4a, it says, for you cast me into the deep. Now that water was deep. 
perhaps, I don't know, 200, 300 feet deep. That was some deep water. When water's that deep, I like staying on a ship. Okay? He, he says, for you, cast me. Cast me into the deep. In other words, Jonah knew where this storm came from. And he knew who cast him into the sea, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Now, you know, it's a bad thing when God gets so upset at you that he cast you out of his sight. You, let me tell you something right now. You better straighten up. You have to tell your child, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to give you something to cry about. How many mamas are you? How many mamas in here ever said that? You know, to your grandchild, you, you better straighten up right now. I, I mean, you bet. Don't, what, you bet not cry. And sometimes they whipping you saying you bet not cry. <laughs> Shut up. You crying, huh? <clears throat> Somebody know what I'm talking about. You, you, I see one tear. I submit to you today you had better not make God angry ooh he has a multiplicity of ways of taking you to the divine wishhead and his weapons are not like mama his weapons are not like daddy when he whips you've been marked for life and you will never forget that whipping. Amen. Have, is there anybody under my voice been whipped by God and you know God whipped you? Here's my hand and my feet. I got everything I can raise up, I raise it up. And when you've been taught and when you know better, when you've been trained and you've been in that Bible and you heard it and you know better, He's going to get you, and he's not going to kind of get you. He's going to get you real good. And I'm going to tell you something. When God hit, he don't even miss a list. Sometimes mama, she, wait a minute, she missed. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.